Welcome to another episode of Do Laws. I am Levi Bimba, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about how J.R. Smith paraphrased Jesus Christ. So before we get into J.R. Smith, I want to talk about an article that came out um, recently after I had talked about how Latin America was transitioning from a more, more of a Catholic-dominated society to more of an evangelical-dominated society. And the reason for that in the article that, uh, that I mentioned in the Wall Street Journal talked about how that the uh, Protestant denominations, namely Pentecostal de denomination, was focusing on evangelization and focusing on helping the poor and, and being amongst the people, pastors actually being with uh, the lay people and caring for them and caring for their needs and me and while doing that, preaching the gospel to them. And, and some uh, many people there are getting, are getting saved because of the focus on evangelizing the lost there in Latin America. Um, so, and the reason why a lot of Latin Americans are moving away from the Catholic Church to um, to uh, evangelical de denominations was because that the Catholic Church had not wanted to focus on evangelization. They wanted to focus on more social issues, environmental issues. And there's a quote, a little funny quote in the uh, in the article that said that the uh, that the the Pope and the Catholic Church opted for the poor, but the poor opted for the Pentecostals. And so um, that moving away from evangelizing by the Catholic Church caused the poor to go to more Protestant denominations, which obviously is what the Catholic Church doesn't necessarily want. But now the Pope is actually refocusing the church on evangelization. As this article came out, it says, after nine years, Francis reorganizes Vatican with focus on evangelization and roles for lay people. And so in the article, it says Pope Francis has overhauled the Vatican's central bureaucracy for the first time in over 30 years, dramatically expanding the number of top leadership roles laymen and women can hold and reorganizing Vatican departments under the central priority of evangelization. The 54-page the text of the new apostolic constitution was released on March 19th. 19, day, 19 years or nine years to the day of Francis' inauguration as Pope in 2013 and fulfills a top priority of the College of Cardinals who made clear their desire to improve and decentralize church governance when they gathered in Rome to name, uh, to name a successor to the then recently retired Pope Benedict XVI. Under the title of Praedicate Evangelium, Preach the Gospel, the new document stresses that evangelization is a central task of the church. So this is pretty interesting. Now the Catholic Church, I think, is starting to realize that their grip on Latin America and other countries around the world are, is waning because they have not focused on evangelizing, preaching the gospel to, to the lost people in those societies. Now the problem obviously is, is that the Catholic Church does not preach the gospel of justification by faith alone in Christ alone, not on the basis of works, not on the basis of prayers or penance or anything like that. It's purely on the basis of Christ dying on the cross for sinners and thereby give, granting us repentance and faith to believe in him and to trust in him fully for salvation. The thief on the cross had no ability to perform any kind of works uh, that would earn, that, that, would, that would do anything for his salvation. All he said was, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. So there was no room for that thief to operate uh, any works in his life, he was dying on the cross. He was literally, you know, about to breathe his last. So he had no ability to offer any kind of work. And so Jesus accepted him just like he accepts all of us on the basis of faith and trusting and believing in his sacrifice on the cross for sin as our Lord, as our Savior. 
And so even though the Catholic Church is now going to focus on preaching the Gospels, quote unquote, they're actually not going to be preaching the Gospel, even though evangelization will be their, their goal. So I just thought that was interesting that now that they're starting to realize that focusing on environmental and social issues are not the task that the church should be primarily focused on. Uh, they're now focusing now more so on uh, evangelizing the laws and preaching the gospel. And now on to uh, J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith is a former uh, NBA player. He played in the league for 16 years. He kind of bounced around the league, but he was a pretty, pretty good player. Uh, um, and uh, he won two championships, actually playing with LeBron on the Cavaliers in 2016, and then another championship on the Lakers back in 2020. And so um, he made about $90 million in his career, uh, he had, in his 16-year career, which averages about $5.6 million a year, which is really an astronomical number by <laughs> any modern American. You know, the average salary right now for Americans is about... 60,000, I think, 55, 60,000. So just imagine that being increased by a factor of 20 or 30 or whatever the math is on that. So that's just a huge number to think about. But he was recently on the I Am an Athlete podcast, and that's a podcast that's hosted by Brandon Marshall, who himself is a former professional athlete, but all, but in the, uh, the National Football League, he was a wide receiver and a pretty good one at that. And so they were talking just about life issues, and there's some interesting things that J.R. Smith said, and at, at this point, um, uh, J.R. Smith is not a Christian, but some of the things he said really shows you how powerful and how true the Bible is because of how, um, how accurate it speaks to the condition of the human heart. So I want to play uh, a few clips in this podcast for you to get you to see what is being said and what J.R. Smith is going through in his own life that is paraphrasing what the Word of God says, namely Jesus Christ. So but before we get to that specific clip, here's here's the kind of uh, the first clip that I wanted to play to talk about. When you make when you made over a hundred million dollars in your career, right? Is a hundred and five going to change? Hundred ten going to change your lifestyle? Realistically. So he says, starting out, when you made a hundred million dollars in your career, is really making a hundred and five going to change? Are you really going to? Is really anything going to be different in your life when you make an extra five or ten million dollars i mean and so he's saying that all this money that i have i mean there's no way that i'm going to really increase my my livelihood i mean what's i mean once you made a hundred million dollars i mean that's a lot of money that's a tenth of a billion dollars that's a lot of money that you can use uh, on yourself and on your family and really buy whatever I mean, far beyond your needs, you're going to have enough food, enough clothing. So far beyond that, you can pretty much buy anything you want. So, you know, there's really nothing going to change. Your happiness is not going to be increased. And there's actually a, a study that was done regarding happiness and money. Uh, one of them really was focusing on happiness, um, which is it's the longest study that has been done by Harvard since 1938. They took 760 men and studied uh, their happiness and, and took surveys on them year by year and there's about 60 of the men left that are now in their 90s, and there's really two things that caused them to remain happy throughout their life, even in their in their 90s now. And not one of them was not money. Not one of them was money. It had nothing to do with money. One of them uh, had to deal with being able to let things go, not letting things bother them. Past failures, past disappointments didn't, didn't bog them down. The other one was having a deep and close uh, relationship with their spouse or with their family or friends or with their inner uh, social circle. 
So the project's director, he, had a, he mentioned one thing about letting go. He says that uh, as the people got older, they tended to focus more on what's important to them and didn't sweat the small stuff to the degree they did when they were younger, according to the project's director, Dr. Robert Waldinger. So they knew when to let go. They didn't hold on to ill feelings and, and, and disappointments in life. And the other one was that uh, personal connection creates mental and emotional stimulation, which are automatic mood boosters, while isolation is a mood buster, says Dr. Waldinger. So he's saying if you want true happiness in your life, according to their study that they did, a secular study, is that having have deep personal and uh, fulfilling relationships with your spouse, with your family, with your friends, that's, what gonna, that's what's going to bring you long-term happiness, long-term happiness. Uh, uh, pleasure in your life it's not money it's not wealth it's not riches it's being able to be in relationship with people that love you and and people that you love and and growing in those kinds of connections and so um and jesus actually talked about this in his parable of the soils where he talked about how some people hear the word they receive it with joy some people hear the word and and they they get caught up in the world and matthew 13 22 jesus says that uh, he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. So I, want, I wanted to focus on that phrase just for a second where he says the deceitfulness of riches. We think, especially living in America, we think we have all this money, all these possessions that we'll, we'll be happy, we'll be fulfilled, we'll be able to do whatever we want, travel, have a good time and, 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 and enjoy life. But the riches are deceitful. Riches... Think riches deceive you into thinking that if I have money, I have freedom, I have control over my life, I, I can do whatever I want to do, and I, and I have the ability to really increase my happiness just by virtue of how much money I put out to buy things that satisfy me. And that's exactly opposite of what the Bible says. It says riches are deceitful. It's, it's a trick that, <laughs> that your sinful nature is playing on you, getting you to think that you'll be happy with money. Psalm 62.10 says, if riches increase, set not your heart upon them. So don't trust in your riches. If, you have more, if you're getting more money, if you're becoming more and more successful in your career, you shouldn't be setting your heart upon those riches because God could take them away in an instant. And then what are you going to do? You're going to fall into despair and depression, as you'll see J.R. Smith talks about later on. Proverbs 11.28, it says, he that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. So it's not about... It's not about riches. Again, if you trust in your riches, you're going to fall. You're going to be in despair. You're going to either lose them or you'll just have your riches and your life will be a wreck. Or you'll just fall into the trap of deception, thinking that you'll have a great lifestyle, great family, great things. And yet you won't. And you'll end up falling into depression, even suicide, as we've seen many rich people commit suicide. Ecclesiastes 5.10, it says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. So if you love money, you're not going to be satisfied with money. You're not going to be satisfied with uh, getting money because the more you get, the more you'll want. <laughs> your, your eyes will never be satisfied. And uh, in the New Testament, Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy six seventeen. He says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth all who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. So Paul is saying there, don't trust in your riches. If you're rich, if you have a lot of money, don't trust in them. They're uncertain. They're unstable. They're not going to necessarily last you the way you might think they will. But trust in God who will always be there, who will never change, who will never um, never deceive you into thinking something that is not true. You will always have a comfort, a hope, a, a, a sure 
uh, foundation for your life if you trust in the living God, who is the one who gives you richly all things to enjoy. So let's continue on with J.R. Smith's uh, enlightenment here. You know how many people you can change lifestyle with $10 million in our hood, in our communities? We got the money. We don't have the mindset. Our mindset, we'd rather go throw $60,000 in, in the club, in the strip club. Go throw $60,000 than go feed 2,500 people in the hood. So you see how he's talking about he could be giving money to people in his in his community to help them out with their needs, to help them out with the struggles. As, as he's making millions of dollars, people are struggling for food, for clothing. He's saying, instead of taking that money and using it for ill purposes, I can use it for good purposes. I can use it to be a blessing to those in my community. But again, I think we have to remember that uh, he's making two assumptions that I think are, are not correct according to what the scripture says. It says, I think he's assuming that money, that the money that he gives will be used for good purposes, that the money that he gives will be used to better the lives financially of those who consume it or who, who consume the money. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a faulty assumption. And I think the other assumption that, it, that is faulty is that the lack of money is the cause of the problems that people are facing today that, are not, that, don't, that don't have money, that don't have the riches that he has. And I think we have to remember that um, when it comes to a sinful world, a sinful environment, we are full of sin, and that sin infects every area of our lives, how we think, how we behave, how we handle our money, and things like things of that nature. Uh, because Jesus said in Mark 7, verses 18 to 23, that evil comes out of the man, not from, uh, comes from inside of the man, not out of the man. Uh, he says in Mark 7, Mark 7, verses 18 to 23, and he says unto them, then meaning his disciples, are you so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the drought, purging all meats? He's, so he's saying there that if, whatever you eat, because the disciples here have been attacked by the Pharisees for eating without washing their hands, and the Pharisees got up all upset because they were going against their tradition, as the Pharisees were wont to get upset with people for but Jesus is saying that eating without washing your hands doesn't defile you. Um, it doesn't defile your, your spiritual nature. You're just eating whatever you eat. It's going to go through the, through the digestive process and then be expelled out of your body at a later point in time. So he continues, Jesus continues and says, and he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. So all of these sins that take place, it's not because there's a lack of money. It's not because they don't have riches, because rich people also sin. <laughs> people that are wealthy also do evil things. They also engage in adultery and theft and murder and wickedness and covetousness and deceit blasphemy rich you know rich people and poor people alike are sinners and it's not because of money or the lack thereof that prevents you from having that prevents you from sinning it's the fact that we are sinners by nature that we are sinners by uh, uh by virtue of the fact that we're human and that's what we do is we engage in sin constantly in everything that we do so it's not that the lack of money is causing the problems in these communities it's the sinful nature of the human heart 
And he talks about how he rather he, he spent $60,000 in a strip club rather than feeding people in his neighborhood. It's interesting how the world realizes that the things that they do, even though they're, they're unregenerate, the Bible says that the law of God is written on their heart. And J.R. Smith in this instance is realizing that spending $60,000 at a strip club it does not, is not a good thing to do in comparison with being able to feed 2,500 people in his neighborhood. You could, he could have fed 2,500 people and said he spent that in one night on um, adulterous, lustful fulfillment that now he is regretting. And as you'll see here in, in a minute, Think about it. I've done it. I've been, I can't. I can't sit here and be like, "Oh man, I'm a hypocrite." I've done this myself. I've thrown money in the club, literally, blindlessly, aimlessly, drunk at a ball, and now I sit back like I'm a stupid. I could have fed my whole community ten times over with the money. I was just late on the bus, right? Because I'm so wrapped into me. So you seen there? He's thinking. What in the world was I thinking? I was a fool to be spending my money on wretched, self-centered desires. I mean, these things are, are not good. They're not beneficial to me. And now you see the regret. You see the remorse in his voice and, and, and on his face in that clip. And he's just really upset with how he <laughs> engaged in this kind of behavior, knowing that it was just a terrible thing to do. And on some level, I think we all understand that when we sit back and think about, think on our lives and even probably particular things that we've done with money, we start to think like, what in the world was I thinking? I mean, that was such a dumb thing to do. It was such a bad thing to buy uh, that really had no benefit to me when I could have used that money to help others out. And I think so. I think on some level, we, we can identify with what J.R. Smith is going through uh, at this point in time. I got that Eurocentric mindset. I need this designer jacket. I need these jeans. I need this book bag. I need to be looking like this because the vets got this. Thing. I'm pushing this car. I'm doing. Why? Who am I impressing? I'm not even fulfilled with me. I'm not even fulfilled with me. And I think that's exactly what Jesus, that's the kind of attitude that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 16, verses 26 to 27, where. I mean, you have people that are making millions of dollars a year, enjoying life, and we, we see them on TV, we see them uh, on, on, on the internet just with extravagance and, and, la and lavish lifestyles, and they look like they're just having the best time of their life. But then we get to sit down and talk with them and hear them uh, explain how, what they're feeling, what they're going through. You, get to, you, you hear this uh, from J.R. Smith in particular, and Jesus said, What is a man profited? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. And I think this is exactly what J.R. Smith is going through. And as you'll see here, as he continues talking about how he wasn't fulfilled. And uh, you'll see what he also says about going into depression even after winning the championship. When, when, did, when, 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 did, that, when did that click for you? It clicked for me probably the year after we won the chip. The year after we won the chip, I felt like I had everything. And I still wasn't whole with me. Because I knew there was something missing. And I couldn't, and for a long time, I went through bad depression with it because I couldn't figure out what it was. So he was, he went through depression. He went through just a complete sadness after winning. I mean, he thought he was on top of the world. He had everything. He had the championship now. He had the money. He had the fame. And if you saw him during those championship parades, you know, he had a shirt off. He was taking selfies. He looked like he was having a great time and smiling with the crowd and all kinds of things. And, and now you look at what he was really going through at when the lights were off when he was sitting in his room by himself 
He had nothing. He's empty. He was unfulfilled because, again, Jesus said, what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? There's nothing. I mean, he, the man's got nothing. He can have all the money in the world, all the fame, all the pleasures of life, quote unquote, that are at your fingertips. And yet you still feel unfulfilled. You still feel guilty. You still feel empty because the main issue hasn't been taken care of. The issue of sin, the issue of, of regeneration of repentance and faith and, and belief in Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, uh, has not taken place. And therefore, you're just empty. You're lost. And you don't know what to do with your life. You don't even know how to operate in your life. And you have money, you have fame, you have all these things that the world seems to want to go after and goes after very aggressively. And when they get it, they still are unfulfilled and, and lacking any kind of meaning in their lives. And that's why, that's why I'm thinking J.R. Smith was paraphrasing Jesus because Jesus himself was saying, you can get in the whole world. You can get all the riches, all the wealth, all the fame, all the money, all the, the women or all the men or whatever the case may be. Anything that you want, you may get all of it. And if you don't have a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you, don't, if you haven't come to him in faith to believe in him, to have your sins completely cleansed and washed away and to be justified before God and, and, and to know that you are accepted uh, in God's family, not because you're good, but because God was good in sending his son into the world to save you from uh, from your sin and from the wrath that God had against you, then you're going to be empty. You're going to have a life full of meaninglessness. You're going to be uh, unfulfilled and you're just going to, you know, unfortunately die and die in your sin and go to hell and then realize as it's too late that you didn't have your sins forgiven. And then you're going to be uh, experiencing this, the torments of hell not just a physical torment, but the, even the emotional, psychological torment of, of fulfilling your life in, in sin and debauchery. And now you're suffering for those sins, knowing that you, you should have done what was told to you to do, which is repent and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. And so this is why uh, the Bible, again, just uh, is true and it, it's accurate and it speaks to the soul. Because as you see, what J.R. Smith is going through is regret. He's going through remorse. Now, right now, it's just a worldly sorrow. As far as I know, it hasn't led him to a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. This is just worldly remorse. And, and that's probably even a more tragic thing that even after figuring out everything that he's going through, realize, realizing that it's all empty, like he doesn't even really know where to turn yet as to, uh, as to uh, fulfilling his, the hole that is in his heart, the depression that he went through. Um, he, now he's trying to find it in other venues of, as far as giving but even that is not the remedy for uh, unfulfilled life a fulfilled life starts and ends with glorifying God by repenting and putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Lord and when you do that, then you find true fulfillment, lasting fulfillment so that no matter what happens in your life whether you're rich, whether you're poor whether you get riches, whether you lose them all whether you have family or friends, as, a, as that happiness study said, whether you're able to let things go or not, no matter what takes place in your life, you will have the ultimate uh, uh, satisfaction of knowing that your sins have been forgiven and that you have a peaceful relationship with God as father and as friend and as Lord. And that you're able to go to sleep at night and wake up knowing that no matter what takes place in that day, even if you die, you know you will be together with Christ uh, for eternity because your sins had been cleansed and washed and forgiven. So um, thank you for listening again to another Dulas episode. And as I mentioned before that on Sunday, we will be inter interviewing Angel Silva, who is a current student at the Master Seminary 
and uh, I got to sit down with him and talk about his testimony, his background, growing up in Mexico. And I think it'll be a very interesting interview, so I hope you take time on Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. to give it a listen and that you will uh, like the video and subscribe to my YouTube channel as we will continue to push out more biblical content for, uh, for the world to hear uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you for listening, and I will see you on the next episode of Doulas.